Welcome back to seeing life from a different angle. I want to thank everyone who has been listening to the podcast and for those of you that as well that have been reading the blog. You can find that on seeing life from a different angle at wordpress.com, I think. Um, and I wanted to thank you for that. I mean, I know that what it is I have to say is probably not as important and significant as some of the other podcasts or blogs that you might listen to or read, but I really appreciate those who have taken the time to do so. And I hope that in the process of doing so that you have gained something. You know, I think it's a very moving thing for me when an individual will let me know that they have listened or they have read and they have seen or heard something that has challenged them and has encouraged them to make changes in their lives. You know, it's really the reason why I started doing this in the first place. You know, I think if I could step back just three seconds and say, okay, part of the reason I started this, I think, wasn't as noble as that. I think part of it was that I really just wanted to kind of put my thoughts, my theories, my ideas out there. But as time has gone on, I really have come to realize the greater significance of just being able to help with some measure of change in some people. And I don't know how many people are listening to this on a regular basis or how many return listeners there are. But I will say this, you know, it is a very humbling experience to know that people are getting something out of this, that they are listening and maybe even challenging their status quo or seeking to knock down the fence that surrounds their rather myopic reality of life. And so I want to thank you for listening and encourage you, if you have Facebook, to please you know, join that Facebook page, um, Seeing Life from a Different Angle, because I really would love to hear your thoughts, get your ideas, what it is that you would like to talk about, as well as you know, what it is that you'd like me to talk about. I'm very open to hearing these thoughts, ideas, suggestions, you know, and if there's something that has affected you in a positive way or in a negative way, you know, from listening to these podcasts, I would love to know, you know, and appreciate you doing so. Again, that's seeing life from a different angle and it's on Facebook. So I thought today that one of the things I would like to do is to kind of step back in time and kind of address part of the reason for labeling this podcast as seeing life from a different angle. You know, I was going through some old journals of mine that I've kept since 2004. And, you know, the ideas within these journals are now 27 of them. There are ideas, though, and the theories and ideas that I had come up with, you know, and I, I look back at it now and wonder how much did I come up with these things or how much was I, you know, through the Holy Spirit, blessed with these ideas, but one way or another, you know, and I believe it's the latter more than the former, but one way or another, it's fascinating to look back at how it is that ideas that I later developed or were later developed much more deeply had their seeds of germination way, way back in 2004, 2005. And one of those ideas is the idea of a wide open reality. You know, I was thinking back then about you know, the fact that our psychical history, the events and the experiences of our lives have such a profound and powerful effect upon the paths that we take in our lives. And back then, I hadn't really considered the status quo or the concept of a status quo or the thought that 
you know, we develop this way of seeing life and living that way. And what effect that really does have upon everyday functioning of our life, what effect it has upon our joy, our happiness, our contentment, you know, and the idea of a wide open reality was something that even had its roots back then as well. But I wanted to share the thoughts about what a wide open reality really means, because I think it can be easily misconstrued or confused. I look at it this way is that when we are first born, you know, before there is any concept of an ego, you know, we are psychologically speaking an id. Now the id is that more primitive, of course, piece of who we are, but it doesn't make it a negative thing. And a matter of fact, I think in many ways it has been chastised, if such a word can be used, far too often and unjustly so. I don't think that it is something horrible within us and something that we have to run away from. I think instead, what we have to do is to try to understand what its purpose is and that it is founded on the idea that I need or the psyche needs to reduce tension as much as humanly possible in order to survive, in order to function. Now, then it raises a good question. What is the purpose of functioning? What is the purpose of survival? We'll get to that in a minute. But I, I think when we are born in that place, you know, we are that connection, as I've talked about before, that connection, that triangle, we could say, of mother, child, and God. And I think that the id in that place is seeking to hold on to that connection as long as that connection allows for a measure of gratification and a measure of tension reduction. But it isn't that the id drives us towards unhealthy places. Sadly, it is more of the effect upon us by the world that drives us to these places. Because in the beginning, in that wide open reality that exists when with the mother, the child, the God, and the id that holds it all together, psychologically speaking, you know, it is not an unhealthy place at all. It is a matter of fact, it is a place of joy, it is a place of merriment, a place of fascination. Now, when you think about it, you know, I'm thinking about my granddaughter and my grandsons and those playful aspects of their character when they see something that to us, you know, someone who is sadly in a myopic reality or is an adult and who doesn't really see the magic and the beauty of life in the way that a child can see it. They look at a at an ant or they look at a spider or they look at a caterpillar or they look at a flower and to them it is magical, it is beautiful, it is enchanting even. And it brings such a measure of joy. You know, and I'm reminded of a story about C.S. Lewis and his brother Warney. And his brother had made this little garden inside of a of the top of a of a can. And in the top of this can, he had put these flowers and he had put these little green leaves and these other types of things. And Lewis later in his book, Surprised by Joy, talked about how that moment was a moment of great joy in his life. And so much of his later life would be a reflection of that moment. You know, and I think because kids can see things in that particular way, there is great joy inside of a child and in that wide open reality. And it's only through time and through experiences, 
that sadly the joy of life goes away. We stop believing in ourselves. We stop sensing that life is a connection between, you know, loving parents and God and us. And we suppress and repress those memories of that wide open reality. We shift and we are moved into this myopic reality, this fenced in yard where we think that everything is the way it's supposed to be. And that's a sad falsehood. You know, it is like the idea of believing that, you know, there is nothing beyond who we are. You know, what we can see is all that there is. And the truth of it is, I think it's one of the reasons why science fiction has such a following is that there is still that childlike part in all of us, that child in those adult clothing that still has that wonder and that awe and sees the possibility of the magic, of the beauty, you know, that science fiction and adventure stories, you know, like Where's the Lost Ark was always mine. You know, they, they awaken in you, or should I say this, they reawaken in you those pieces of life that we have sadly let go or sadly put on hold. In truth, these pieces of life, these parts of the id, they have been repressed into our unconscious mind. And our ego has taken hold and said, no, this is the way things have to be. And it guides us and controls us and, quote, for want of a better way to put it, corrects us when we step out of line. It is also, sadly, the source of maintaining a status quo of living that is not healthy for us. It doesn't guide us down a healthy path. It simply maintains us so that we can function. And what a sad reality that is to think that at one time, the very beginning of life, and for some who were very blessed for many months, maybe even, they live. You know, we lived once. Isn't that fascinating to consider that we all lived at one time and then the world takes a hold of us and we stop living. We start existing or worse, we subsist just barely clinging to our unhealthy ways of living life. You know, we focus so much on the sensual pleasures of life, whether it's drugs, alcohol or sex or any number of other types of things that gratify the body. And all the while, the soul a part of us that is buried deep inside and repressed in our unconscious, that connection with God, you know, that connection with the beauty of life, that sits there waiting. I don't think that it withers. I was going to say withers, but I don't believe that it withers. I think that it still thrives, but the problem is it's in the dark and it is surrounded by so much dark that it is almost an impossibility for us to see it. You know, there is a story or quote within the Bible. And, you know, in the Bible, Jesus says that, you know, for those who are sinners and who return to God, you know, there is great rejoicing. And I was thinking about that the other day. You know, why is it that, you know, one person who sins, who turns away from God, but then turns back, there's greater rejoicing in heaven for for that person than there is for all the people who are already saved. It's fascinating because it really seems to run counter to how it is that we see the world. It's like the prodigal son, 
you know, the prodigal son goes away, sins, leaves his family, takes his father's fortune and squanders it and lives with sensual pleasures, food and, and wine and sex and all these other types of things that gratify him and then realizes, you know, I have made such an error in my life and I want to return to where it is that I came from. He goes home. And what happens? There's great rejoicing. There's a party that is thrown. And his brother, who has been there and honest and straightforward and working hard, is angry. It's like, wait a minute. I've been here all along. Why are you giving this to him? Why are you feeding him? Why are you honoring him? And the father, rightly so, says, you know, he was lost and is found. You know, you have always been here and I've always valued your love and I've given my love to you. But he was lost and now he has come home. And I was thinking about that notion along with that, that quote from Christ. And I was thinking how fascinating it is as human beings who are stuck in our myopic reality, who are, you know, slaves to our status quo and who believe that, you know, if we're doing all the right things and everything should be okay and we should get our just rewards and, you know, we've been believers all along, you know, and good all along to some degree, as long as we believe that, we are stuck in the notion that when somebody returns after having lived an erroneous or, you know, salacious and uncomfortable and unhappy and sinful life, that this person is less deserving of the great praise than the person who's been there all along. And I think the reason is this, is because when someone comes back, someone returns, you know, someone comes home after a long period of time and they are showered with love, it's because that love waits inside of God and he waits to give it to this person. The same way we might wait if a member of our family has been gone for a very long period of time and we've heard no word and suddenly they're there and they come home and we shower them with love and adoration and you know just the joy of connecting with them again and everyone else who's been there may be disappointed and frustrated because they've been gone and I haven't I've loved you and served you and they haven't but I think it has a lot to do with the idea that if there's all this love that lies inside of us, just like if there's all this love that lies inside of God, now I am given this blessing to be able to give that love freely to that person, to that sinner who wandered away, to that family member who hasn't had any contact. I'm free to give that now. And I think that part of it is being able to tap into that wide open reality that lies inside of all of us and to be able to say, you know, this person is there. They have returned to me and they are willing to let me love them again. And I think that there is great joy in that thought that someone is not only willing to be loved, but willing to let us love them. When we shift away from the wide open reality, a place of love and truly a place of connection, with everything and everyone, when we slip away from that into this myopic reality inside the seven foot fence that surrounds us and leaves us alienated from others, 
You know, when we make that shift, we lose that sense of what love is, what love can be. And the reason that I started this podcast, or and especially named it, you know, seeing life from a different angle, is because I think we get so married to the notions of how it is we see the world. But in doing so, we only end up doing harm to ourselves and to those that we could love and who long to love us. We chose instead, though I don't think that we do it intentionally, we choose instead, though, to stay in this fenced-in yard, to stay hidden, to snuff out our light to some degree so that others don't notice us or that the person that they notice is what it is we think they want us to be in order for us to be loved or to be valued. And it is a risk, it is a frightening, frightening risk to be able to step out of that myopic reality, to step out into the open again, you know, to, to experience life in a way that has not been experienced since we were children, since that period of time when we could love freely, you know. And it's like when you look at pictures of children and they're hugging each other, and we feel this sense of inner joy, for want of a better way to put it. You know, and I think the reason we do is because that was us. It still is, buried deep inside of our unconscious mind. But it was us. And when we experience these things, it's like a regression back to a healthier place. A place where it was possible to connect with other people because we didn't look at other people as obstacles in our way. You know, we didn't see them as someone to hate because they got in our way. You know, we didn't see them that way. Instead, we saw them as someone to love and indeed someone to be loved by because anything in those spaces was possible. Not only was it possible, it was an everyday occurrence. You know, it could have been and it could have stayed that way. But the sad reality of it is we are raised by human beings who live in their own myopic realities and who maintain the status quo in order to avoid the fear that comes if I challenge it. If I challenge the status quo and I seek to find a healthier and better life for myself, that's where the fear comes in. That's the frightening piece. You know, at the same time, you know, I think about my father and the choices that my dad is making in his life. And he has talked to me many times about his desire to challenge the status quo of his life, to push down the fence, to find that wide open reality again. And he has grown so much from it. And it's an amazing and beautiful thing to see. And it brings tears to my eyes when he talks with me about how he is touching places in his life engaging in relationships and interactions with other people that he has successfully avoided in order to maintain the status quo of how he saw life being ever since he was a little boy. And I think that if we can, all of us, you know, seek through ourselves to push past the fear to be able to take those risks, we all have the opportunity like my dad does, like I do, we all do have this opportunity. 
Now, I apologize if this has seemed to be a jumbled mess of thoughts today. I suppose in many ways, this is kind of the jumbled mess that exists and has existed in my mind for a very, very long period of time. And I feel that the only thing that really has drawn it all together has been my increased and renewed relationship with God. You know, I, I find myself so drawn to that life, to that connection. And it's a fascinating thing because what it has really done for me is to change my life, you know, to allow me to knock down the fences that surrounded my life because like you, you know, and I'm not claiming to be grand, I promise you that, but like you, I know what it is like to live in fear. I know what it is like to f push back and to, you know, think that there's going to be or that I can find or that I can make a better place for myself. And it doesn't work that way. You know, there, it, you know, the truth of it is it never was meant to work that way. You know, there are all these opportunities in life for us. And we think that it's all our handiwork. We think that it is all because of me that I've been able to achieve success. But I would ask you to think about this. What is success? What is happiness? You know, it is easy for us to say this makes me happy or that makes me happy. And the philosophers throughout the generations, throughout the centuries, have tried to pin down what it is that truly makes us happy. I don't claim to be grander than they are. I don't claim to be as bright as they are. But I will say this, is that true happiness has only one source. And it is God. It isn't money, and it isn't fast cars, or fast women, or fast men. It isn't having possessions. You know, it isn't any of those things. It cannot be any of those things. You know, we have those things in their own nature. There's nothing wrong with the car. There's nothing wrong with the statues that sit adorning my desk, you know. But the truth of it is, they don't bring happiness. They don't bring joy. That can only be achieved by connection with God. And it's something that, you know, we have to or we should strive toward. We should. We have to. If we're going to find happiness, let's be honest, if we're going to find happiness and happiness only exists in one place, then we have to go back to that place. We have to go back to that wide open reality. We have to be willing to see life from a different angle. We have to be willing to challenge the things that we have come to accept as the things that we believe make us happy, the loves that we believe make us happy, the, the sexual relationships that we believe make us happy, the drugs, the alcohol, you know, whatever it might be that we believe makes us happy, it doesn't. They're just things. They're things that don't love us back. They're loves that are not healthy, that are not nourishing, that are not really love at all. Because not all that we call love is love, you know, but there is one happiness, there is one source of happiness. And it's not a popular one, and I'll tell you why. It's because... It challenges the status quo. It's not a popular one because it does make us uncomfortable. It's not a happy, you know, it's not a positive one or something we go chasing after because 
we become so used to living life in a particular way and anything else is frightening for us but it is the way it is the only way it's the only happiness that truly exists because it is where true love exists it's like the metaphor of the cave it is the a young person who's willing to step outside the cave and say there's something different out here our natural inclination is to end the life of that person to poo-poo them to say to them they're out of their minds you know we'll give them a little credence we'll say oh that's nice that's nice but the truth of it is they challenge the world within which we live and therefore they are someone that we hate someone that is our enemy but if we think about it honestly and are willing to really look at it honestly and by that I mean willing to regress back to what lies inside of us at a very honest place before the world had its way with us we'll see there's only one source of happiness be well <laughs>